What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today is a very special episode for me. I have my first repeat guest, Mr. Tony Sangelosi, and we have a huge announcement to make on the podcast. So you get to hear from him firsthand what he has going on, and I'll, te- I'll tease it a little bit. He's adding to his business. He's making something special, and I'm sure, as you've seen in the title, you already know, but Tony has just announced that he is making, building, custom bowstrings. So make sure you guys check that out, 330archery.com. Uh, you'll hear all the details you need here in this episode. Before we get into that, I have a couple announcements. Number one, Velvet Fest. Velvet Fest is here. The Exodus official kickstart to deer season. Man, I've been out like every night that I can get glass and bean fields for velvet bucks and it's getting me really excited you have a great opportunity some really great savings for maybe you're trying to get um, a couple cell cameras to get some eyes out on those bean fields any two renders or two render bundles you can save 20 percent off with the code velvet fest every purchase is going to come with a scratch off that is a guaranteed winner uh, you're going to get an additional saving maybe you want to get some arrows or something like that any purchase on the website whether you buy a hat or you buy arrows or you buy trail cameras it's going to come with a scratch off but the only way to get the 20 percent savings is to buy two or more renders or render bundles also next week is going to be the last week for your chance to win a full dozen tailor-built exodus mmt arrows so please whatever you're doing right now go to the deer gear podcast leave me a five-star written review and you'll be entered in to win a fully set up, tailored custom arrows that I am personally going to build for you for your bow setup. Make sure you don't miss out on that, please. These reviews help us out a lot. I just learned on Instagram there was a blog post the top 30 deer hunting podcasts, and the Deer Gear podcast was number 18. So that is all thanks to you guys, thanks to people listening, thanks to my guests. And for now, Let's get into today's podcast with Tony. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, I'm, I have my first repeat guest. This is the first for me, episode number 40, I believe we're at, and I have Tony Sangelosi, uh, becoming one of my really good friends i appreciate you coming here and sitting with me this is a really cool deal today because you just made a pretty big announcement i'm gonna let you tell everyone but um before we get into that let everyone know who you are uh if they've been living under a rock and not listening to this podcast that's true so first cameron thank you for having me on i i uh i appreciate it uh enjoyed the first episode look forward to this one as well but uh my name is tony sangelosi uh i'm a bow hunter I am a gear nerd, and uh, I'm the owner and founder of 330 Archery, uh, and we just announced yesterday um, our addition to 330 Archery, which is uh, 330 Archery Bowstrings. So Boom. this is something that uh, uh, you've helped me with for the last uh, few months, um, testing and uh, allowing me to build um, for your bow, so I, I really appreciate that, but... Um, this was uh, a decision that uh, I had to make quick. Um, I, I really feel that when there are certain um, 
avenues that you take in life. And there are, there's a journey that you're, a road that you're going down and something comes upon you and it doesn't have any resistance to it. You need to do it. And this was exactly that situation. I had a, a friend of mine who owned a uh, strength company and I called him to order some strings and he said, uh, Hey, you should buy this company. And I'm like, Whoa, back up, back up. I just went all in, um, you know, building the custom arrows stock and this or that. So I went home and I talked to my wife and, uh, I said to her, Monique, Hey, this is what happened. Um, what do you think? And she goes, let's do it. And it was, I was completely thrown off by that, (laughs) uh, because I've had a bunch of what I thought were really good ideas that she called me crazy for. Right. Um, but when we talk about, uh, the vision of three, three archery and really, um, setting the tone as far as customer service goes in our industry. Um, this was another feather in our cap that we needed to do and we're doing it. We've been doing it successfully for the last couple months. And, um, like I said, we just went live yesterday. So, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, dude, that's, it's really cool. I remember you calling me the day you're like, man, there might be something <laughs> happening. Do you think I should do this? And I was like, well, it sounds to me like you should, yeah. uh, we're, Local, obviously, you and sure. I are local, and there's nothing like that in the area. There's a bunch of people that bow hunt around here, and you have to call someone that lives in Kentucky. Yep. Or there are some manufacturers in Ohio. Sure. Uh, America's Best is in Ohio. Rogue's in Ohio. Sure. But to be able to go to the person's facility. House. House, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, in, your, it's in your house, and watch you make the strings, and know exactly what's going on, and um, I've had some things where I was like, Tony, I need you to customize this string, make it a little bit diff- different for me. You don't have the ability to do that no. when you're calling a bigger company that's just like trying to turn out numbers. Absolutely. And that's a, I think that's what sets us apart from everybody else too. You know, there are things that, that come up, um, us as hunters, right? We're, we're in, uh, we're in the woods, there's sticks, there's broadheads, there's, always going to be a situation that comes up or even if you get you know even if you have a a, a product actually I don't want to tell a story of how I even got into this or this this idea even uh so it was it came to me but why I really pulled the trigger um I there was a certain bowstring company and I would never throw anybody onto the bus we're on the same team and this company I bought strings from and I had a, a just a bad time with them. I had a ton of peep rotation. There was uh, some inconsistencies on the serving, et cetera. And when I contacted the company, first of all, it took me a couple days to finally get a response, which, you know, I, in my nine to five job, I have, you know, customer services, like that's the golden rule, right? You take care of the customer, regardless if they're right or wrong, just take care of the customer. And I was so frustrated at not being able to get a hold of somebody. And when I finally got a hold of somebody, they said to me, we are four weeks behind building strings. And I said, I already bought these. Like, how am I at the back of the list when something was inconsistent from you, but now I have to wait four weeks? So for me, that 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 moment, I'm like, man, that's unacceptable. And like, I gotta, I'm gonna do this better. Like, this is, this is not what it's gonna be. Um, but, you know, in that, perfect situation like you um when you said hey let's try to build you know this is what i want in a string this is what i want in a serving size like we still had orders but you know i knew it was an emergency stopped built the string got it to you the next day so um i'm not looking to turn this into the biggest string company in the world i think that that's where um the passion goes away for some when you're that big now it's about money um 
I want to be a part of your journey. I want to be tagged in your, your buck kill. Um, I want to know that something that I literally have scars on my fingers about, um, from tying string and, and et cetera, um, that that was part of one of the most important moments of your life and a memory that you'll never forget. I want to be a part of that journey. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so cool about it. Um, you, we've talked a little bit about like the process of building a string sure. and when it gets, it gets to a point where the material is the same. Yeah. The process is the same. Every time. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the man behind it. I've had strings from a company that has like a really good reputation. Mm-hmm. They are the best. Oh, you got to get strings from these guys. Yeah. Well, the guy that used to be working there no longer works there and the strings aren't good anymore. Yep. Because 100%. it's about the guy behind the machine. what's going on. So, um, talk real quick about that process. Um, like how the strings are made, what sure. material you're using. I know it's the same all the way throughout, but it's something that I didn't know, so yeah. it might be cool for people to hear. No, absolutely. So there are, uh, like any industry that you're in and anything that you build, there are different type of quality materials. So the the material that has been the standard for bowstrings and what everything is compared to is BCY, BCY 452X. We've decided that... We're not going to do an entry-level package and hope these these this material turns out okay for people. And we hope that within the year they don't call us with an issue. And you know, we we decided we're going to go with one package. We're gonna um, we're gonna charge a very fair price for it, but we're going to use the best material out there, which again is the 452x in our opinion. The build process, if nobody's ever seen a uh, a, a bowstring being built, is you know your string actually starts with a piece of string material um a strand uh, literally a strand and uh you start with a layup which is basically you have uh four posts or you know there are different jigs out there but i use a four post um and matthews for example you know it's a 24 uh strand count so when you wrap these strands around the jig you're going to end up with 12 strings on one side and 12 strings on the other well after that process, it gets stretched. So now we're going to take any movement out of the out of the strings, and there is uh, there's difference between stretch and creep. Creep is unreversible. Um, stretch um, is there has to be some stretch in that material. If not, it snaps. Right. right, right. So after it gets stretched, it goes on um, on a uh, twister where that's where um, the string takes its shape. So you have to build a string longer than, like, let's say on a Matthews, the string is uh, 60 inches. You have to build it bigger than 60 inches because once it starts to twist, it's going to come down to length, right? That's where you put in your, um, you know, if you ever order strings and you see that little string in there for your peep sight, that's where you set that up. And then once it's twisted and it's stretched, now you start to serve it. Um, another benefit of going with with custom strings um, Making sure that your knock fits on a string and the serving is so important. You can have your bow timed perfectly. Everything could be within its spec. Your axle axle length can be perfect. Your brace height can be perfect. Uh, your sight can be sighted in perfectly. Your rest is, I mean, everything's perfect. And because you have that knock pinch, you can have erratic arrow flight. And I think that that's, that's something that people don't think about when they order a set of strings, especially builders. Um, they don't ask that question. You know, what knock are you shooting, right? Uh, 
And then now people can get this misconception of, oh, these strings just stink, but you're, you're forcing your knock on there, and it's taking longer for that knock to come off of the string because it's being pinched. So um, if you go to order strings, you got to ask what serving size. Um, and if you don't know, you know, you can try your knock on, you know, like, for example, if I build you a set of strings and you don't have that conversation with me, right, and you say, hey, I can barely get my knock on, well, cool, I'm local, drive over to my house, I'll set your string up. I'll reserve it to this to the correct size, and it's going to be the world difference for you. Yeah, it makes a really big difference. It's something that um, happened with you, right? Yeah, yeah. So I obviously Exodus sells the Exodus MMT arrows. Mm-hmm. They come standard with either a boning blazer knock or the fire knock S knocks, right. and both of these knocks fit differently. Two forty six arrows. Yeah, they both are for made for the same arrow, mm-hmm. but the throat of the knock, the size is way different one is made to fit like point uh or one hundred and eight thousandths to one hundred and twelve thousandths thickness serving size yep one is made to fit 116 to 120 yep and i think we ended up settling with i think we did a 14 we did a point zero one four. Four. yep so it'll the once you like add it to the string and everything, the the my mic it comes out to be one hundred twelve thousandths. Perfect. So the, my knock fit for a fire knock S knock is just money. Dead on. I cannot shoot the blazer knock because it's too loose. Before on my triax, I couldn't shoot the S knock because it was too tight, mm. and I would draw back. The arrow would lift, lift up. And if that's happening when. You drop back. What do you think is happening to it when it's released? Oh, it's so it's so bad. Now, you know, you can also get that by if you have. So let's say the serving size is the is the correct and it's it's knocking on there correctly. If you're tying knock points on there and there's no movement between your knock between those knock points, it's going to do the same thing, right? Right. right. So um, just in case you know nobody has been through that before. Uh, that's something to pay attention to. So, again, we'll just say it again. If you knock your arrow onto the string and it fits perfectly, but you're going to draw that back and you notice that your arrow is lifting up and you have knock points on there, uh, that's that's number one. Those got to go or just got to spread them out a little bit. Yeah, and um, another easy fix is you could switch your knock. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a great You know what I mean? You, you could just switch your knock. But if you have a, a lighted knock, you spend a lot of money on them and you want to shoot those, um, you don't have to throw them away. Just... Make sure that you have the right serving size. Hundred percent, pretty critical. Yep, absolutely. So when it comes to custom strings, what are you getting different than a, a manufactured string? What sure. Are, what are your choices? Sure. So the first thing I want to talk about is, and 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 I'm not going to throw the manufacturer under the bus because uh, that's just not what we do. But you know, I spent. Um, I don't even remember how much the new bows were. I think it was they were twelve hundred bucks. This brand I bought this year, and the first thing that I do when I buy a bow is I set the factory strings up with the peep, uh, the peeps peep sight. I set the uh, D loop up. I set it as I'm ready to shoot, and then I take them off. And a couple things. One, the uh, the 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 loops, the end loops on these factory strings are not served now. It could be a couple reasons. Uh, it could be because they're making thousands and thousands of bows, and it saves them a little money by not serving them. It could be they're more efficient and they're quicker to build that way, but I want that extra layer of protection. It's the same reason why there's serving on the string everywhere else. Um, they should be on the loops too. 
Especially where it's attached to your bow. A hundred percent. It and, and most of you have had, you know, some type of fraying on your strings before. You'll notice that once one little strand starts to fray, it will get worse. And it will get worse. And that is not the part that I want to break uh, on the bow. And now you have a big problem, right? So that's number one. The second part is the customization that I really enjoy. Um you know, they're my my least amount of orders when it comes to bowstrings are black, which that's traditionally the color that comes on a factory bow. Uh, a lot of people like to go bright colors. They like to do twists. Um, there's so much customization when it comes to bow hunting these days that, um, you know, and hey, if you like black strings, that's 100% okay. That's your choice. That's uh, but a lot of people these days, they like to they like to run different colors, you know, so. Um, those are the those are the main differences. The also you know the quality of the string. You don't see the bow manufacturers using 452x or the the highest level of uh, quality when it comes to this uh, comes to this excuse me material um, because again they are mass producing these bows. Every little bit counts, right? Yeah. Do you have a standard? Um, is it just one one string? This is what you get. Correct. Yeah. So we, like I said earlier, we're not we're not offering an entry level package, a mid grade package, and then the top of the line package. Now, some of these, you know, we can talk price a little bit. So uh, this same material that I'm using, there is a company out there that charges $199 for a set of strings that we are charging $140 for. The only difference between the two is nothing but the price. It's the same material. Yeah, it's um, the, the difference is you. And and the difference is the builder, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we, we decided on on one package, keep it simple. You can do a ton of different colors. And on the, on the website, you can actually – so it's pretty simple. You click the string section. You go down to the, the comment box. All you have to do is type in your bow. Uh, I have a Hoyt uh, RX-3. You select your color, done deal. And that's 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 all you have to do. Now, my number's on there. Obviously, if you had questions, you want to you want to you see a color that or you know a color that you want to do that's not on the website. Um, you know, we can we can uh, attack that if we need to. But uh, I try to keep it as simple as possible for people. For customization on the bowstrings, do do you see any difference in maybe the quality of the build on a twisted string versus a single color string? Um, the, a single color versus a what again? I'm like sorry. a multicolor, like a green and black or just straight green. So I like to, I think they're, they're going to stretch at the at different times personally. So let's say you have green and you have black, right? When, when we add, when they add the color to the strings, the consistency we hope is a hundred percent the same every single time. If I know I'm using one solid color, um, and again, hey, I know people want to do twists, and that's fine. But if you're using one solid color, you know that any stretch is going to happen evenly every single time. Yeah, I was always told that a natural string and a black serving is going to be the best out-of-the-box string. Sure. Now, you're splitting hairs when you're talking about when you add a little color. Is it going to yeah. be any better? Like You're not going to notice it any better. But um, just a little a tip I thought I'd mention out there. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, I personally think the solid strings just look so good. I 1,000% agree with you. The smallest amount of orders that we get are twisted colors these days. Um, 
a lot of people like the bright colors and man there that there's nothing that makes your your head turn faster when you're a bow hunter than seeing a black or a whatever color with this bright string um that that to me i mean i i have them on my bows too um need none of out of the three bows that i run uh none of them have twisted strings but again that's a that's a personal preference um we'll do it if we have to but i really like i really like the solid color yeah i'm the same way i'm i'm, I'm a neutral guy i have a, a pretty neutral feel yeah what was that color you did uh buckskin oh, okay <laughs> what do you call it I call it foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> if you want some foreskin on your bow, Tony's the guy for you. <laughs> You're welcome. So you get the package, right? You get s- some strings, and say the person wants to put them on themselves. They have a bow press. Sure. How do you know that you didn't untwist or twist the string when you put them on your bow? So first, before, let's back up to the, the bagging process of the, of the strings. After I built the strings, everything has been stretched. You have a schematic, basically, that you're reading that this bow string should be this length, the cable should be this length, the split bus cable, the yoke, whatever should be this length. I am double-checking the length before these are packaged up every single time. The reason why is, and again, this isn't any dig at any shops or anything like that, but there have been times where somebody will say, oh, there is a defect in this product, but they've just unraveled half of these strings uh, before they put them on the bow, so the lengths are all out. So once a bow, once you put the strings on, first of all, go to a reputable uh, reputable shop. If you don't have one, I do it at my house for you. I've done it for several customers. Um, we'll set the whole thing up, time it, um, D-loops, you know, get your rest timed, et cetera. But you want to make sure that these loops stay together before you put them on. And then after you put them on, you can check your axle to axle length. You can check your brace height length. And that'll let you know that the bow is 100% in spec. After that, now you can do your timing. So say the bow is completely in spec. Okay. You put them on there, but your timing's off. Sure. What do you do then? Sure. So that you're going to have to make cable adjustments too. So for example, if I have... You know, one of the options, if you live locally, is I'll build your strings, I'll put them on your bow, drop the bow off, I'll call you when it's when they're on, you come to my house, we'll spend about an hour together. Um, it is a, a little bit extra charge, but it's not much at all. To have that hour to make sure everything's in spec is absolutely perfect. It's but worth it. It, it. it really, really is to know that when you leave, you are ready to hit the tree or you're ready to hit your saddle, or you're ready to go to a 3D tournament or whatever. But um, basically, everything's to spec. We'll put you on the uh, drawboard, we'll draw it back, and we'll watch the timing, exactly what we did with yours, right? So we'll make sure that both um, limb stops or cable stops are hitting at the same time. If they're not, we'll make a cable adjustment to make sure that when your cams are rotating over, that they're rotating in sync. That'll cause you power efficiency on your bow, and it can cause you erratic... uh, uh, Aeroflight too. Um, if you've ever pulled back a bow and the the back wall feels real squishy, it could be, be just just because one cable stop is hitting a half inch before the other cable stop mm. and feels like crap. So somebody can say, you know, like for example, I went to shoot, uh, I went to a shop to shoot a bow that I was going to buy, and I'm like, man, this back well, there's no back wall. To this it's so squishy. Like it, it, I just I hate this bow. I'm not going to buy this bow. And the, the bow tech said, let me, let me check a couple of things. So he took it in the back, 
He checked the timing on the bow, and from the factory, the timing was off a whole inch. Oh, wow. One cam to another. So he set the timing on there. I, I went to go shoot the bow. I ended up buying it because <laughs> it, was, it was so off. And again, no, no dig on the manufacturer. Like, they're building thousands and thousands of bows. Things happen. We're humans. Like, it is what it is. But I, I, if we wouldn't have checked that, I wouldn't have bought that bow. Yeah, and you'd have been like, no, nah, no. Nah. No, it's a crappy, you know, yeah. this line, this year, I'll wait till next year, blah, 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 blah. So after we set, make sure that the timing is 100% um, on, the next thing that we'll do is we tie a, uh, or excuse me, we'll do a rest adjustment. We'll make sure that your arrow is completely level coming out of the bow. So that's setting the center shot. That's setting your, um, the knock position, high or low. Um, once we know that's good, uh, you know, then we can go on to the peep sight, make sure that that's perfect for you. Cause that's a big thing that, um, that I noticed with guys who come over and shoot is sometimes it's just a little form correction where they have to move their, they're moving their head down to the string real far. And then that's, you know, making their peep, uh, way out of whack. So if there's any, uh, by all means, I'm not a tournament, you know, world champion archer, but this is, this is just my thing. This is what I do. This is what I've been passionate about for the last 10 years. So sometimes we make a little tweaks and then we'll tie in your peep sight. We'll take it outside, uh, into my backyard and, uh, we'll get your sight sighted in at 20, anything past that, you know, most guys go home and they, they do that themselves, but you will 100% be ready to shoot once you leave my house. Hell yeah. So what's your feeling on wax, bowstring wax? Um, I, wax is definitely a maintenance issue. Now, unlike a crossbow, you know, uh, you don't want to touch any of the serving when it comes with wax, but it's, it's a tune up, right? So if you had a car, you're not going to ch- not change the spark plugs, you know? So I, I put wax on my strings, um, not right off the rip. Um, when you burnish a string, you're pulling all that extra wax out before I put them on your bow. So there's not big chunks of wax everywhere. Cause if you ever feel the material before they go on a bow, I mean, they're sticky, Yeah. you know, they're sticky to the point where, um, you need to take some of that excessive wax off. However, once they're on, I mean, I'll wax mine every, you know, every month or so. If I, or if I see a little bit of fuzz starting on the string, I'll wax it, but it's definitely a good maintenance piece. So what are the best practices? What's the best way to take care of your purchase after they're on your bow? So after they're on their bow is exactly, like I said, right there. If they are, you you have to wax them. And then two, take care of it, right? There are guys who I'll see that, um, you know, a buddy of mine, we went hunting last year. We went out in the rain. It was soaking wet. Took it in the house, and he just just hung it up. Um, Didn't wipe the cams down. Didn't wipe wipe any of the strings off. um, But... The bowstrings are pretty self-sufficient. You just have to take care of them like you would anything else. Sure. I'm not a wax guy. I'm going to be honest with you. That's okay. I don't I don't wax my strings because when you put wax on something, mm-hmm. it attracts dirt. I agree. Debris. Yeah. So you're getting dirt and debris on your string, and what's that going to cause the string to do? It's going to cause it to fray more. I, I agree with that, but the part that you're not supposed to wax – and you shouldn't be waxing, or the part that are, you know, the serving, right, which that's going through the cam. Um, but, you know, the amount of wax that you're putting on, it's, you know, after you put it on and you, you know, stroke the string, we'll just say, um, you're, you're just setting that pretty deep in there. It's not like there's a glob of sticky glue on the exterior of it. But, yes, it will collect. It will collect some debris, absolutely. Yeah, I just, it's like makeup to me. Like, if my string's fraying, putting some wax on, it's not going to stop it from fraying. It's already frayed. 
I I a thousand percent agree with you on that. And I and with the 452x, um, if you if you're consistently having peep sight adjustments, this or that, and you're having that abrasion back and forth, any material is going to fray over yeah. time. Like there is no, it's not because it's a it's a good string or a bad string. You're gonna have you're gonna have that natural that natural fray. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I I just like leave it the way it is. That's yeah. why. I, Builds character, right? Yeah, I'll just buy a new one next year. Just buy a new one next year. <laughs> that's another thing too. Um, you know, that's uh, there are people that uh, that buy bows every single year. Uh, that's going to be you, right? No, I'm never. <laughs> I'm never buying a new bow again. Cam says he's never buying a new bow ever again. But to be fair, his triax, he's he's uh, he shoots that thing like uh, like he's in the Olympics. That bow, uh, that bow's that was fantastic to work on. That was a great bow. But um, I change my strings every year. And it's it's a uh, it's something personal that I like to do. You you don't necessarily have to, but again, that's under a hundred pounds of tension at rest all the time. So as a precaution, I would much rather if I'm going to keep my bow, I'm going to give it a tune up every year, and I'm not just going to pick it up September 29th and hope this bow shoots good. You should be shooting your bow all year long. You should definitely already have your bow out now and be taking care of any issues. You know, you'll see such a back, back uh, backlog in anything archery related near hunting season. And it's not because so many new people are joining. It's because people are waiting the last minute and then getting upset because there's a wait. So be proactive now. Get your bow out. Look at it top to bottom. And, hey, here's another thing, too, that you can do. If you don't know if you need strings or not, call me. Come over. Take I'll take a look at your bow. We'll do an assessment on it. And if you need new strings, great. If you don't, great. Maybe we just need to time it and get you back on your way. Do you have an estimated shot count? Like, you should replace your strings after so many shots. Or is it just like I think it's that's situational? tough to say, man. I think it's situational because for me, I shoot my bow like a madman. I almost shoot my bow every single day. And then I had a buddy, for example, who... You know, we, we're not into crossbow uh, strings yet, but we will be here shortly. He left his crossbow cocked with an arrow in it in his, in his shooting house for a full year. <laughs> and then, now, don't ever do this, but he shot a deer with it. Uh, he went hunting, couldn't find his crossbow. He checked in his stand. It was up there, cocked. A doe came out, and he shot it with that <laughs> cock string for a year and uh, killed the deer. Does he uh, live in Ohio? He 100% lives in Ohio, about 40 minutes away. That is the epitome of Ohio. <laughs> no. <laughs> God. Oh, oh you, can't, rip. you can't make that stuff up. No. So I, one to build on that, the one of the best pieces of advice I have ever been given about anything is from a buddy of mine, Joe Carrillo. He's not a hunter. He is just a blue-collar guy that has been working in construction his entire life, mm -hmm. and he keeps everything that he owns like a fire truck. Because nice. if, if anything were to happen or anything were to come up, he's ready to go. That's a good great like, point. A fire truck is always ready to go. Yeah. If there's a fire, they got to go. So my bow is like a fire truck. Yeah. My gear, it's like a fire truck. If I get a cell cam picture of a 180-inch deer on a piece of property, I don't have to get anything together. Yep. It's like a fire truck. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, and another thing with being that way is you're proactive to figuring out anything that's going wrong. Yes. So if you buy a bow and you take it somewhere to get set up and it's not, it's something doesn't feel right, don't leave. Like, 
have them correct that. And then now you know how your bow is supposed to be. So when you go home and you're, you know, we'll use that example, like taking care of it like a fire truck, you'll know when something's not right. And especially us as hunters, we have a higher obligation to make sure everything's perfect oh, because yeah. we're trying to kill. Yep. And gosh forbid that we miss a deer and, and missing deer, wounding deer, it's going to happen. But because of having something faulty, that's on you, man. Oh, yeah. And that's not okay. Yeah, right? I, I agree. That you get, And you only get so many opportunities at these. Oh, yeah. You know, and you, if you miss that opportunity because of faulty equipment, yeah. like you cannot Shame blame. You. you cannot blame the equipment. Yeah. Shame on you. Yeah, this is the perfect time. Like, what's today? July 22nd? July 22nd. Yeah. And um, now's the time to be doing it. And we're 100%. already, like, moving into being late. Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, if you think about it, let's just say we'll round up to August 1st. Uh, you have all of August. You have 90% of September, and we're hunting. You are. I'm hunting September 1st. Oh, actually, I'm hunting September 14th. I think I'm going – yeah, I'm going to Kentucky um, mid – mid-september so yeah it's if you have that beginning of september hunt date you're late let's let's go yep i feel you is there anything else on the string side of things that you want to mention or talk about or um anything there before we move on to some other stuff yeah so um you know i just want to say as far as our uh as far as our company goes um i i when I, as being a consumer, I love that I'm able to ask questions. I love that somebody's responsive because, you know, when somebody tells me something, hey, this does this because of this, you know, I love to ask why. I love to figure out why. Um, most products, when you buy, you don't get to ask those questions. You could do some research, but that's just hoping that that person's opinion is correct, <laughs> yeah. that you're not talking to the guy who or the girl who that's what they do for their living, right? So um, I really encourage, if you have a question, reach out. If you have a problem, reach out. Um, it's very seldom that uh, an owner or somebody who runs a company that you can get a hold of them directly. Um, I know for some, they may look at it as annoying, but this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I do. This is what I love to do. I can tell you that my favorite part about building strings are when the guys come over to my house and I get to talk hunting with them. Yeah. I get to hear about their season. How did last year go? Do you got any deers on camera? Um, the last couple guys that I had came over, um, we became friends. You know, we text each other now. We have a, a pretty good relationship. Uh, we're looking forward to hunt with some of them um, coming up. So uh, that mom and pop type feel um I, i'll never get away from it doesn't matter uh like i said our goal is to not we're not trying to sell 20 30 40 sets of strings a day that's not our thing uh when it if that were to happen when that happens to some companies now it that's that's where the money becomes more important than the passion and um i think that's one thing that sets us apart from everybody else yeah couldn't set it better from better myself I have two sets of 330 strings on my bows and I'm going to they're going to be on there for the foreseeable future. I appreciate that. I, Thank I really you. appreciate everything that you've gone through um with us. Actually, before <laughs> before we move on from strings, let's talk about the arrow clocking and everything we learned there. Yeah. So, why don't you why don't you tell the story about what you were looking to accomplish, what you were found out, because you were actually the tester, and I didn't know this coming in. Um, so I actually got to learn a lot about this myself. Yeah, so the Exodus MMT arrows feature aerofoil technology. So they are fletched with Aerovane 
2.0, and those fletchings are straight fletched, but they have an airfoil, and they naturally want to rotate to the right. right. They will not rotate to the, right, to the left downrange. Like, they want to rotate to the right. Sure. So when Chad and I were shooting these arrows, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They were coming off the bow, and they were turning to the left. Sure. We're like, this isn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Is it? Are these veins wrong? That sure. was our first thought. So we take the fletchings off. The arrow wants to rotate to the left. Around. Still. Yeah. So we can't have this. We need this arrow to rotate to the right because if it's rotating to the left, what we found was the arrow is stalling out downrange around. So what does stalling mean? Let's let's explain that to people. So it's go it's rotating to the left, and it's going to hit this, like, 15-yard mark, and it's going to knuckleball. It's not going to rotate at all. It's just going to. So, like, doesn't stop spinning, basically. Yes, right? it, it stops spinning. And then what's happening there is it's correcting to rotate to the right because it's fighting, the veins are fighting the natural flight of the arrow. Correct. So at like 18, 19, 20 yards, the arrow is then rotating back to the right. And what is that causing? Uh, There has to be, so everything we found is that it's very minimal, but there has to be some type of energy loss. Yeah. There has to be some efficiency loss. Yeah. When when you go from one way, stop, and then go to the other, um, there's got to be some negative effects to that, right? Yes. So we were like, okay, well, we need strings that are going to rotate this arrow to the right, no matter what, right off the bow. So I call you. I'm like, Tony, I need this string made the opposite way. And this, because the arrow needs to rotate to the right. And we were like, well, how do we do that? <laughs> so initially our thought was make the string the same way, serve it the opposite way. How'd that work out? You do that for me, I call you back, and I'm like, Tony, the arrows are still rotating to the left. (laughs) It's not the serving. (laughs) So we find out that it's actually the string has to be rotated counterclockwise. Yep. And the serving needs to be rotated counterclockwise. Married to each other, right? And that is going to make the arrow rotate to the right. Sure. And if you have a clockwise string, which 90% of manufacturers do... And a clockwise serving, your arrow is always going to want to rotate to the left. Now, to be just and, and just to back up like a minute, so yes, they're made that way and they will clock to the left. However, they will correct themselves and go to the right eventually. But almost all of the manufacturers, including myself, build the strings this way. And here's why. The natural strand... The strand of string is not a straight strand. Strand, correct. It is clockwise, twisted. Yep. And then when you rotate that counterclockwise, you untwist it. Nat- the natural twist. So what did that cause your bow? Oh, dude, my <laughs> my peep rotated like 360 or 180 degrees in like 100 shots. Yep. And you will always, always, always battle peep rotation if you have a counterclockwise twisted string. You cannot get it to not rotate. Correct. And people will, you know, there's, I was looking this up when this was, this was like a four day, three day ordeal that we were going back and forth. And, you know, I was, I was getting a little frustrated on myself because I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong here? You know, I've built so many strings and everything is coming out perfectly. And, you know, this, why, why is the arrow doing this? And you can go down a real big rabbit hole and there are so many different opinions on you have to do this, to do this, to do this, to do this. This was what changed it. Um, 
this is what we found changed it is the or change is the the string going one way and the serving going that same way. That was the that was the difference. Yep, it's clockwise versus counterclockwise. Clockwise versus counterclockwise. Absolutely. So for me being left-handed, now I was always told, "Oh, you're left-handed, so you need a left helical." So for me, that's what I've done forever. But I can tell you that when I, you know, I built the strings the same as I've always built it and I used a left bevel broadhead, I don't this has to, I'm not going to say well, I'm not going to well, drop broadhead names, but my arrow is flying so good now with everything married together, including the left bevel too. So um, that was a really cool um, couple days. Uh, there was definitely some stress involved oh, in man. those couple days. Um, but, man, we got through it, we figured it out, and we learned a ton because of it. Yeah, now we know. And just if you're listening to this and you're shooting a right helical or right offset and your arrow wants to clock to the left, don't think like oh my god i gotta change everything right right because like i said the the difference is minimal now like physically there has to be some type of sure, loss sure but it's not enough to be like okay we'll just change your fletching and change everything you're doing if it shoots fine for you what everything that we've tested for high speed cameras change in strings change in arrows change in diameters like if it shoots well for you just keep shooting it and i bet and to to piggyback on that i there are people i'm sure that are listening to this that have been shooting a right offset or right helical for 30 years and their arrows shoot fine no problem then keep it keep it how it is we're just stating the facts yeah just know what's happening sure that's all yep i agree <sighs> that was a yeah that was a hell of a time all right tony let's talk about some other things here yeah what what's new what what's new for your gear this heading into this fall Ooh. New gear. So I went back to the wrist rocket. Um, I shot a thumb release for the last, oh, five years. And I don't know what, oh, I could tell you why I changed. Last year I drew back on a deer. And, you know, when you shoot a thumb release, you know, your hands are pretty compressed and you pull back. And I had a massive cramp in my hands because I was at full draw for so long. And I ended up not killing this deer and I again my body my fault it wasn't a fault of the product but I'm like man I gotta go back I feel like I can stay at full drawn longer when this thing's attached to my wrist and so I went back to a wrist release and again haven't shot one for five maybe five maybe even longer than that um and it took it took a while to get used to it again but man I'm I'm as accurate as as they could be um also what's different I'm still still saddle hunting um this year is uh, the goal of mine is to take less and less and less and less in the woods with me. I go in the woods like I'm going five miles off the path and I need to survive for three days back there. <laughs> this year, I'm trying to just bring very minimal equipment with me. And it's not to save weight. It's not to um, whatever. But, you know, the term you like to use is the fiddle factor. I just want my bow. I know, you know, maybe I need a bag. I'm not even bringing knives with me or anything. My, most of my hunting spots are just, you know, a few hundred yard walk. You know, I don't need all this, all this stuff. Maybe a grunt, maybe a grunt call, rangefinder, and, uh, you know, my bow and release or whatever. But uh, I'm going to explore some different boots this year. Um, I can't think of the gentleman's name who you had on. Kendall who, Card. You didn't even know what I was going to say. Crispy. What were you going to, no, that's not what I was going to say. Uh, well, that's going to piggyback off, that's going to, they're going to marry together, but um, the UG, 
Oh, yeah. Who was that? Alex Comstock. Freaking awesome. I put I used crispy hiking boots. They were waterproof, non-insulated last year. The whole season. I was in southern Ohio hunting and that's when we got that like monster snowstorm last year where it yeah. shut everything down. Those that snow was almost up to my knees and my feet stayed warm with non-insulated hunting boots. I swear those UGG insoles inserts made the biggest difference in the world for me. But I am, you know, I, I've used crispy boots for the last two years. I used to use um, lacrosse, real thick, you know, 1800 insulate, you know, whatever. The, this year, I'm going to switch to a, a crispy, another crispy. I think I was looking at the, what were the two? Altitudes. Altitudes, and there was one other one. Laponias. And Laponias, yeah. So going to decide between one of the two. But um, this year, the whole, um, if I had to use one word to describe my hunting style this year, it's going to be simple. What are some of the things that you're not taking with you this year that you were taking with you in the past? Let's see. Let me start with uh, a huge backpack. Um, I used to extra gear ties. Um, I would bring an extra, you know, extra release with me. I would have scent spray. I would have, um, you name it. It was in there. It was like (laughs) worst case scenario would happen to me and I just had to have it. But, um, the noise factor alone, um, I, I just, I just have to keep it. I have to keep it simple. So you're switching packs. No, I really like that. I really like that pack you told me about the Sitka tool belt. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. So Weren't I you used, running the Eberly stock before? I was using the Eberly stock, but that's when I used to sell film. Um, I don't think I'm going to sell film this year at all. So uh, that pack is super simple for me. I do have to figure out how there's got to be a different way to carry in my platform. I got a, I got the solution. Okay. Because the sticks, you know, I like how they run horizontal underneath the pack. They make zero noise. Um, might, you know, I... <laughs> I'm going to use a three-step aider, I think, this year on my bottom step, um, which I normally didn't. Uh, so I'm going to try to use a two- or a three-step aider. And uh, got to figure out, yeah, got to figure out the platform thing and um, be good to go. So here's what I'm going to do this year. I haven't decided if it's going to replace the hamper or I put it's mine going to in be it. addition to the hamper. But I bought the – well, actually, I did not buy this. Shout-out to Jeremy Dinsmore. Sent me the – tethered predator pack okay i have one of those i am going to that has the straps on mollies the bottom, yeah on the bottom that it can, oh for the sticks it can clip into the um tool belt oh, oh 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 it can replace the hamper it can be your shoulder straps for the hamper roger the platform in there okay is what i'm thinking see i do like the hamper though because i i get so hot so quick i i like being cold so going to the stand i am very very minimal probably just my base layers and maybe my bottoms or the bibs um but i really enjoyed uh with that pack using that hamper for an extra coat or jacket now i'm sure i can still strap it to the pack somehow you can molly it to the predator yeah that's what i was that's what i was thinking but i never used that pack um just because i felt like it was an extra pack yeah you know and then it's more it's just more stuff well you can also because you're taking less stuff in your Tool belt, mm-hmm. you can put your layers in there. Got it. Something to play yeah, around might, with. Yeah, I might might try that out. And that's a that's another thing I think is really important. When I first started saddle hunting, I spent so much time learning to climb. And because I, I'm, I'm really bad with heights, I spent the least amount of time shooting from the saddle, which is like you need to, you need to spend that much time 
climbing as you do shooting from the saddle, uh, especially from weird positions. Um, I got shaky. I went to Indiana two years ago, and it was uh, I had to shoot weak side shot, and man, I was all over the place. Um, I, I just you got to spend time every scenario uh, learning how to shoot from the saddles for sure. Let me be a hundred percent like blunt here too. You need to shoot elevated out of anything. Agreed. Not just out of a saddle. Yeah, good point. If you're hunting out of a tree stand, you need to be shooting out of that thing too. Yep, good point. So, like shooting from an elevated position is just more challenging. I shoot better from a saddle. Oh, really? Than than a tree stand? I am more stable than you in a tree stand. You have nothing holding your. Oh, back and forth. You're like, are you are you like a are you a leaner or sitter? I'm a sitter. Sitter. So I will. Do you shoot sitting? Yep. Yeah. If I can. Okay. If it's weak side, I can't. I have to get up, but I will pin myself back in my saddle like like for push pressure. yourself push yourself back yep. and then i i am extended i am rock solid yeah in that thing do you think you're going to do more ground hunting or saddle hunting this year probably ground hunting yeah i've never been ground hunting but you got me fired up for it last year and the season was already over before i wanted to try it but this year i'm gonna i'm gonna try it for sure it's a lot of it's it's a rush that like hunting is a everyone hunts for different reasons mm-hmm. right Everyone has the same end goal. Yeah. But I am hunting for an experience. Sure. I'm not hunting like I, I don't I don't need to kill that buck to eat. I can go to the grocery store. Yeah, we're very fortunate at times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I am hunting because it's an experience. Um it's an intimacy with your food. Mm-hmm. You have all that. But if I can choose if I could choose shooting a 140-inch buck from a saddle, or if I could shoot a 120-inch buck eye level on the ground, like 10 yards away, me and him, he has no idea I'm there, but I'm on his level, I'm going to choose day? that. Yeah, wow. I'm going to choose that. Yeah, I got to I gotta, I gotta try that, that's for sure. I'm like, I feel like the ultimate predator. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're ground level in their zone, in what they do every single day. I mean, I still get a rush no matter how I hunt, and I hope I pray that that never goes away, but I can just imagine that that's multiplied to the fullest extent when you're hunting on the ground, especially five yards away. You know, like come on. Yeah, it's 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 a <laughs> it's something you can't even explain. And your encounters go way up. You learn more. You're more mobile. You might screw things up a lot more mm-hmm. because you're not playing it as safe. Like when I'm on the ground and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like stationary on the ground and then I'm like, there's deer somewhere. Yeah. I got to go find them. Heck yeah. And then I'm in this situation where I'm like, okay, maybe I bumped one, but now I know where I got to be. Amen, if brother. I sat back in that saddle and just like, there's deer somewhere, but I'm going to wait here. Yeah. I would have never known that they were over there. That's true. Do and you think, I mean, you think it's situational too, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. If you have something figured out, yeah. then yeah, you can. Don't go lay in the weeds. Yeah. You, I mean, but if you have a good <laughs> if you have a good ground setup too, like yeah. I last year the buck that I ki- uh, I didn't kill well I might have killed him never recovered him mm-hmm. uh, Ohio man I shot him from me to this light away like like Whoa. maybe that light but do really, you use your pins that close Yeah Yeah but that's and when you I, shoot that close do you have to if you're you're obviously yards away you used is the pin above where you're aiming or beneath where you're aiming You have to aim higher the the Arrow needs time to raise off the rest. When it comes off the rest, the trajectory is like this. So how much higher do you think you're aiming that close? Um, like pin-wise? Uh, I don't know, like 10 inches. Oh, that high? Yeah. I mean, I was like 
on like the boat like the right air, up on him. I mean, you're like barely left four the foot. Boat. Yeah, the bear, the the arrow barely left the. Why did you wait so? Why did you wait so long? Or it's just... the only shot I had. Oh, okay. And okay. it's the only place I had cover. But I had a picture of that deer on a cell camera going into a known bedding area. I knew he was in there. I assumed that he did not leave that bedding area. I went in on the ground, got my setup, rattled the antlers, and he comes down the trail. Comes down, he's raking the leaves, you know, and everything. And I didn't recover that deer because I didn't aim high. Mm. I aimed true. Oh, okay, okay. And so the, you shot low, though. I shot way low. Okay. Do you think that there's something to be said about rattling on the ground versus rattling in the tree stand? One million percent. The yeah. noise that you can make addition to the rattling. Like moving your, like scraping the ground. Like. I take those antlers and I'm beating the trees next to me and oh, I'm, I'm okay. scraping the ground and like, like you watch Aaron Warburton, he stomps around. And yeah. The, it's, in my opinion, it's that noise that brought the deer in outside of the rattling. That makes 110%. That's so important to know. I get pretty vocal and I get pretty aggressive when I'm on the ground. Like you just yell? No. <laughs> with with deer like making, Lucas's call. Yeah. <laughs> making the sounds of a white tail. <laughs> Got it. So I yeah, I mean I just I just really enjoy it. But I want to touch on this pack thing. So what I think I'm doing this year, I love that tool belt. Mm-hmm. I love it. But I think I may have found something that I'm gonna like even better. Oh, come on, man. You're killing me. I know, but I'm scared. <laughs> What is it? Listen, you want to talk not, about? Yeah, I'm not broke, but I and I just have. <laughs> we can get there. <laughs> I, I have a situation where I'm happy with the tool belt, and I don't know if it's worth buying something else. Well, tell me about it. It's Marsupial Gear, the Bino Harness Company. Mm-hmm. They make a modular lumbar belt, right? Mm-hmm. It ties into your Bino Harness. Oh, that's cool. And. Um, you can use, they have a hydration pack, or you can just attach that tethered pack to it. Whoa. And they make, it's just a, a modular belt. Mm-hmm. There's no pack, there's no, there's. it's just a belt. You can add whatever you want to it. They make the pouches, and they make a lumbar pack that attaches, Molly style, to the belt. That sounds that ties fantastic. In, like it ties into everything, and it is fully modular. So you can add pouches for like dump pouches you can take the dump pouches off your saddle and just have them on that would that affect your saddle at all no not if not if you take you wear it high enough got it but the pack that they make the lumbar pack that they make for it is smaller capacity than the tool belt Hmm. and last year i found myself only wearing the tool belt because it's how i take my sticks in that's the only reason okay so if i had a smaller lumbar pack that I could just throw an extra pair of gloves in or mm-hmm. something like that, like an extra release. I do take that stuff with me. But not have the bulkiness of the tool belt, and then I can just hunt with it on instead of, like, hanging it on a tree. Yeah. I do think I might try it this year. How much is it? I don't know. It's, like, 300 and something after you, like, add everything to it. <laughs> but that's with, like, the hydration pack. Sure. That's with the, the shoulder yokes or, like, the – a fully mod modded out thing, but so if you went all in on that, are you going to sell the the tool belt? I don't see. That's I don't think so. Just in case, because I do like that. You pack know, I, I feel like for packs in the hunting industry, you can get your money back almost. Yeah, you, I could sell it. Yeah, but it's just like the taking the leap and um, yeah. But it's well, you I don't do think, it. You better do it real quick. I know. I don't think I would ever. See, I don't know. I don't know if I would ever wear it 
where it was all tied into my bino harness. But I do hunt with my bino harness on. Yeah. And if that lumbar pack is small enough that I could just hunt with it, because you're not hunting in a tree stand, you're not rubbing against any trees right. in the back. No, you that's just have that point. on. And then you have those pouches, like mod- modular pouches, yeah. like on you, that you could put like things that you absolutely need to grab quick instead of reaching over here for your pack. It's on the tree. Yeah. It's right on your person. Why? But I've done that with the tool belt, but it's just kind of bulky. I, I understand exactly what you mean. Why is there not a company? You know what you guys do with your arrows, how you can just like test one? Why why is there not a company that does that with packs? I don't know. We haven't done that yet though. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh but why can't you why can't you is there a company big enough like a you know these companies that sell multiple packs and like maybe you take the deposit or whatever the and then try before you yeah, buy. Yeah, try before you buy because everybody's there's so many different setups and there's so many different things that different people do that when you buy something, one, it's a big investment with the, for those packs. I mean, look at that one I sent you the other day. It was $800 for a pack. I would be very upset if I bought an $800 pack and I got it, and I'm like, man, this thing's very uncomfortable. Or yeah. blah, 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 blah. So, sure, you can return it, but it'd be really yeah, nice just to not. Pain. Yeah, it'd be really nice to not make that big investment and then have to return it and wait. Sure. I bought that Duha that I was telling you about, the yeah. under seat storage. Yeah, I'm buying that in a second. I bought one from Rough Country, and it didn't fit my truck. And I have this giant thing <laughs> that I have to return now. Yeah. And it, I spent 120 bucks mm. on it. And I did that with running boards on my truck. And actually, I, I never took them back. They're in my garage. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, because Amazon like, will help me out. It, it becomes a, a, an issue. It's yeah, like, oh, agreed. I gotta go do this. But anyway, um, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try that pack out. I just have to sell my soul before. Yeah, do it. I mean, hunting season's here, man, so let's go. Yeah, I know. I think, I think for early season, I think for spotting and stalking, it's just going to be so nice. Especially for where you're going this year, you know. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna try that. I, I, I'm. Let's do it right now. As soon as we get off this, you gonna buy it for me? No, I'm gonna be an enabler and tell you to buy it. I got. <laughs> and I have gotta, you test it first. I gotta come work for you and sell some strings first. Let's go. Tis the season. All right, man. We've been going for 55 minutes here. I think people have probably had enough. Yeah. Leave off here with where to find you, where to find your strings, plug your podcast, do the whole nine. Sure. So you can find us at on any social media at 330 Archery. If you're not from Ohio, you're probably not going to understand the 330, but it's the number three, the number three, the letter O, and then H, Archery. Obviously, that's the uh, the zip code here. It's 330. Or the is zip code or area code? Area code. Area code. Duh. Uh, but 330 Archery, um, same thing on our website, 330archery.com. Um, you can also follow us on the Roseborg podcast on anywhere that you listen to podcast. It's my uh, co-host, uh, former WWE superstar Sarah Rowe. Her and I um, have had uh, some really exciting guests so far. Uh, Cameron Durr was just <laughs> on. Uh, some Someone very similar to him, Ronda Rousey, <laughs> uh, Tim Kennedy, uh, Becca Garris, if you're into trad. Um, so, you know, give it a listen. Give us a review. Tell us how it goes. But uh, I want to thank everybody who's supported me so far with uh, with the string building. Um, uh, I just I, I really appreciate it. I put everything I have into these strings and, uh, you know, hopefully you can see that.